Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit presenceoc.org. I'm, I'm actually going to have um, Lauren. Where are you, Lauren? One of our amazing youths. Here she is with my other child. That's hilarious. I just pawn my kids off on people because they bless them. This is Roar. <laughs> this is Brother. And then Karen, here we go. We're going to have them share. Um, gosh, if you guys haven't heard testimonies from our youth group, I am like blown away. Um, I've been in, I was in youth ministry for seven years, and I have never seen a, such a group, a, a group that is just unbelievably powerful and bold um, and just, yeah, going after it. I'm just so encouraged by them. So if y'all know anyone, middle school, high school age, maybe you don't have any kids um, of that age, but you know someone else who does, they meet um, in Costa Mesa on Wednesday nights with Pastor Chris, and they're just doing incredible things, seeing incredible things. And so I just wanted to build up faith in the room this morning um, and have them share some testimonies of what they saw last Wednesday. So last Wednesday, um, we Chris told us, our youth leader, to think of some words that you're going to call out. Um, at the beginning of the youth group meeting. And um, so I got this name, and I called the name out for a girl, and she didn't come up. Come here, boy. (laughs) And she didn't come up, and I was getting kind of nervous, like, "Uh uh-oh, am I not hearing right? And then um, it ended up, like, this other girl came up, and it wasn't her name, but I still gave her her word, and it touched her. And then I had to leave early, but I found out later that the girl with the name that I called out, she was manifesting something, and she ended up getting freed from it. So, so awesome. So last Wednesday, um, at like the very end, this girl came up to me and Chris, and actually Lena too, which isn't here, I don't think. Oh, she's back there. And she came up and she invited us to go to like, this nighttime service that they're having in Vanguard with all these college students. And we went over there, and at the very end, me and Chris went up and we started like calling things out. And this girl had like a cyst on her ankle and she said she could barely put on her shoe. So I prayed for her probably like 20 times. And then she started bawling and saying that she had no pain and it was gone. So tell us, how did you, what made you pray for her? Like, did she come up to you and ask for prayer? Yeah, she did. She came up. She came up and asked Uh you for prayer. And you guys, so your youth group went to another church and was just hanging out with their youth. Kind of give a little background. Don't say the church name, but give a little background for those that may not know where you were. So we went to this youth conference probably like two months ago. And we met this youth group there. And it was only like 10 kids that we met. And we met the pastor. And we got connected with them. And then they just wanted us to come speak there and share some stuff there. So the youth pastor asked our youth group to go and speak to their youth ministry. Yeah. That's incredible. They haven't asked me to come speak there. They're asking our youth ministry. That's amazing. I love it. Well, I asked these two... um, to, to just be asking the Lord for a word of knowledge uh, for someone here this morning. I don't even know. I didn't even get to connect lastly with you guys, but did you guys feel like the Lord gave you anything this morning? Um, actually, last week at youth group, I felt like a tingling in my shin, and then I 
asked God what it was for, and I felt like it was for this because I knew before that we were going to come up here. Tingling in the shin. Yeah. So does anybody have a tingling in the shin? Maybe like a shin splints or like something in the shin. Anybody? Right here, right back there. Okay. So what's going on, brother? You have a pain in the shin. Varicose veins. Okay, Rad. I'm going to have him pray for you. For those um, of you around him, can you just extend a hand? What's your name, brother? Eric. Good to have you. You ready to get healed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're new here this morning and this is weird for you, um, we just believe that God is the healer, and we don't want to come together and just hear a message from somebody and just sing some songs. We want to see the Savior move in this place and heal people, because that's what he did in his ministry. We read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, his ministry consisted of touching and healing lives. And so that's what we believe here this morning. So if you are new and you're like, this is odd, we just have a high value for letting the Father move. All right, I'm going to let you pray for Eric. Jesus, we just thank you for Eric, and we command all the pain and shame to go now. In Jesus' name. Yeah, check it out, Eric. See if there's any any difference. If you want to run up and down the aisles, we encourage that too. Anything different? No pain, but still there. Okay. Part of it is gone. One fifth God. We'll t- gone. One fifth. I love the measurements. That's amazing. Why don't you pray one more time? Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing, but we command all the pain to go now. In Jesus' name. Yeah, amen. Awesome. Test it out again. And, and Eric, I don't know if you've been with us before, but, but God will, will heal you even when you leave this place. It doesn't have to happen immediately. We don't have to see it in order to know that he moved, just like Lauren had the word for that girl. She would have never known had Pastor Chris not come back and told her that was actually for somebody. So I don't want you to be discouraged if you don't see something immediately. And then Lauren, did you have something, hun? Uh, yeah. Um, does anybody here have like sinus infection? Something wrong with their sinuses? Sinuses. Allergies. Anybody right here? Michelle, our amazing Michelle. Anyone else? Oh, right back there. Awesome. The two redheads. God's doing something right there. All right, Lord, why don't you pray for them? Okay. Lord, I command healing on their bodies now, and I just proclaim healing. Jesus' name. If you're next to them, if you just extend an arm and just bless them, bless their sinuses. Yeah. Do we feel anything different, ladies? Are you able to breathe through both nostrils yet? Yeah, God, we just command alignment in their sinuses. Yeah, full healing. Jesus' name. Bless you guys. All right. Thank y'all so much. Love you. Are they amazing? This is our youth right here. I love it. When, when I heard the story um, 
about the girl that, that Lauren called out. You know, she, the Lord gave her a name. And God gives people names and specific things like that so that you will know that you're important to the Father. And he gives it to other people so that you may be encouraged and uplifted in times when you may not think that you are or that you can be. And what I love is Lauren's faith is so incredible because she called out a name in front of a bunch of her peers. And we know teenagers are already embarrassed to do everything, I feel like. (laughs) Let's laugh at that one because that's not our youth. But she calls out a name that God had given her and nobody comes forward. And these are a bunch of teenagers, some which she may go to school with or that they've seen before at other events. And she leaves, and then the girl is made known that it was actually for her, and she didn't want to come forward because she was embarrassed. And so she is an incredible testimony of if God gives you a name of someone or a word of knowledge or you pray for someone and you don't see it immediately, that it's okay. God still did something. Amen. God still did something. We can't base everything we do off of what we see or else we'll stop doing it because we're not going to always see everything that God's doing in that moment. So I just hope that Lauren is an encouragement for you all. I'm just so blessed by them. I'm just like, yes, you're so brave and courageous. You guys need to teach us on a Sunday morning. I just love their faith and their boldness. Um, Yeah, if I haven't met you, my name is Nicole. This is Rosella. Um, Last week was our, our first week back after being on maternity leave, which was like the hardest thing to do. I'm not gonna lie. I like wanted to be here. I was living off of people's live feeds on Facebook. I was like getting mad that some people only post 10 seconds. Come on, y'all. Y'all need to post a little bit more. I'm like, 10 seconds more. Yeah, I'm on Snapchat. I was like looking at everybody's Facebooks. Uh, But we just, we missed you guys so much. And we're just happy to be back uh, last week. It was funny because right the, the Sunday that I preached on uh, Timothy and the women verse, um, I had told you guys, I was like, everybody keeps telling me that your first pregnancy, you're going to go late. And I was like, in Jesus' name, I will not be late. This child will come. And she was 10 days early, thank God, because she was eight pounds, four ounces, 10 days early. So can y'all imagine if I were like a week late? See, that is how I know that the Father loves me. So somebody said, somebody goes, why do you think, why do you, think um, you delivered early with your first kid? I said, because the Lord loves me so much. He did not want to put me through any more of that and did not want me to have a 10-pound child. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so if you've been with us the past couple of weeks, we've been going through the book of John. Um, And today we're going to continue in that book. We might take some weeks off, like our Christmas service. We probably won't be in the book of John. Um, If you've missed any of those sermons, they've been incredible. Pastor Jesse and Pastor Chris have just blown us away with their teaching and and, and hearing from from the book. So you can go to presenceoc.org and listen to those. We have all of our podcasts there. You can even share the links on your social medias, plug, plug, plug. Um, Yeah, and just get transformed through our podcast. If you will, go ahead and turn with me to John 8. I'm gonna pray for us before we read, but I want you to go ahead and get there. I have a a burning desire to break off shame this morning. 
And I felt like as I was preparing for this message that the Father wanted to break off chains. And this morning in our pre-service rally, somebody called that out. I said, what do y'all wanna see in the service? And someone said, I just see chains breaking off. And so I'm confident that God is gonna do something this morning, that he's gonna move and your lives are gonna be changed. So I just wanna pray and lead us into that. Father, I just thank you, God, for this morning. I thank you for baby wraps. And I thank you for these people. Lord, I just pray that as we read your word, Father, that it would just penetrate the hearts of everyone in this room, Lord. That we would take seriously that you are the Savior who has come to set your sons and your daughters free. So God, I just pray, Lord, that you would have me speak whatever you want me to say, Lord. Yeah, God, and you would just move in this place, Father. Just have your way amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Okay, so John 8. Now early in the morning, he came again to the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in his midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin amongst you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote in the ground. And those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in his midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She responded, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And Jesus continued on speaking to them, saying that I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. As I was reading through this and just having a conversation with God about what he wanted to highlight from this, because there's so much that we could talk about. There's so many topical sermons we could base off of this part of scripture. But I felt like he kept saying, in a world full of shame on yous, I came to say shame off you. In a world full of shame on yous, I came to say shame off you. Now, y'all know I like to get a little nerdy, and so I wanna break down this scripture a little bit so that we understand the context and the culture of what is happening here. We have these religious leaders of the Jewish people. They're kind of known as the know-it-alls, the teachers of the law, and they've just come from Jesus. Well, Jesus has just come from teaching a mass amount of people, and these religious leaders bring this woman and basically throw her at the feet of Jesus saying we've caught her, we don't know how they caught her, but we've caught her in adultery. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do about this? They call him teacher. If you like to write, highlight, underline in your Bible, this is an important word here. They're not recognizing him as Lord, they're recognizing him as a teacher. And they're trying to trap him. 
This whole paragraph in John 8 is actually a trap for Jesus to mess up. Because what they're doing is they're saying, based on the law of Moses, which there's two pieces of scripture that they're basing this off of. Uh, Leviticus 20 says, if a man could, uh, commits adultery with another man's wife, both the, the man and the wife should be sentenced to death. And then in Deuteronomy 22, if a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, both the man who slept with her and the woman must die. But the Pharisees are only bringing the woman They're not even fulfilling the law in which they teach by bringing both the man and the woman. It's kind of like a sloppy job. (laughs) It really is. Because they're bringing the woman and they're trying to say, oh, aren't you going to fulfill the law by stoning her? But they've not brought the man. Just shows you their motive in their heart was actually just to trap Jesus. Because on one hand, if Jesus stones her, then they could accuse him of going against the law. And on the other hand, the Romans didn't believe in capital punishment. And so if he doesn't stone her, then then he's in a trap again. Does that make sense? So their main motive, actually that was backwards. I just realized, mom brain. If he does stone her, he's following the law, but going against the Romans. Does that make sense? And so their, their motive here is just to trap him, to get him to die, right? Which is eventually the, the trajectory. The truth is, I, as I was reading this, I thought, that's odd. I mean, they, the teachers, the, the, the educators, if you will, could have brought this woman alone when no one else is around. We don't know how many people Jesus was teaching prior to this time right here, but there are probably a lot of people around. I mean, there's probably a hundred people just scattering from, from where Jesus just got finished teaching to them bringing this woman. So, I mean, they could have brought her to Jesus and been like, yo, we caught this girl, do something about it, right? Or, or they, they could have done it at a different time, but they're doing it in front of lots of people so that Jesus would be caught in a trap. And in verse six, I love this. In verse six, it says that Jesus stooped down and started to write in the ground as if he didn't hear them. Scripture says that. Now, this is like the age old, like Bible college student trying to exegete what in the world was Jesus writing in the ground. So some people say that he was writing the names of the men who had sinned. Some people say that he was writing the names of women whom those men had had an affair with. Some say he was just doodling in the ground. I kind of like that one. Because it's like they're coming at him with all this nonsense. And he's like a kid. Like, I'm not really interested in what you're saying. I'm just going to draw a butterfly. (laughs) Like, you know. Because it says it twice. It says the first time he stooped down to write on the ground as if he didn't hear them. And then he stands back up. And then he goes back down to just doodle again. I just wish I knew. He was probably a phenomenal artist. Um, could see what he, he actually was, was writing. And then he says to the woman, or he says to the crowd, I'm sorry, the men, he who is without sin amongst you, throw the first stone. And that's the second time he stoops back down to write in the ground. And at this point, these men start to leave because they realize they're just as guilty. They've, they've had sin in their life at some point. And so he stands up and he says to this woman, where are those accusers of yours? 
Has no one condemned you? Has no one condemned you, woman? Where are those people who brought you to me to die? Where have they gone? Does no one condemn you? And she says to him, and highlight, underline, circle this one, no one, Lord. No one, Lord. The one person that could have thrown the stone, the one without sin, says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. My husband brought that to my attention as we were reading through this a couple weeks ago. He said, you know, the one person that could have thrown the stone and been blameless and pure in it without sin was Jesus. And he says to her, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Shame off you. You don't have to carry this burden anymore. You don't have to be humiliated. Shame off you. The important thing in this, this part, verse 10 and 11 and 12, he doesn't ignore the sin. You know, a lot of times we, um, I've seen people come alongside their friends and they ignore the sin, but they're like trying to encourage them on to like not live in that, but they ignore that one piece. He doesn't do that. He confronts it with a grace and an unconditional love and says, go and sin no more. And I think the significant part and the part that I really feel like God is highlighting is right here in, in verse 10 and 11. Scripture says that as the men walked away, that the woman and Jesus were alone. Imagine yourself. You're a woman in this type of culture. You've been caught in an act that is punishable by death. You've been drugged to wherever this area is, thrown at the feet of Jesus, humiliated, carrying all the shame. Y'all ever been caught in something? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> that feeling of like, I could just puke right now. I was, I was doing okay hiding in my junk, but now it's been exposed. And that feeling of just like, oh, I'm sick to my stomach. That had to be how she felt for as long as she was just laying there. This is her chance to run. These men start to flee. This is her chance to run with all of her stuff to get away because she, to her, she still thinks she's probably gonna die because it's still punishable by death. And as these men are leaving, here's the chance to run to get away, to keep hiding. But scripture says that Jesus and the woman was left alone and that she says, no one, Lord. In all of her shame, waiting the ultimate punishment, which was death, she stays there. And I feel like this is for someone this morning. She stays there at the feet of Jesus and she addresses him as Lord. This is huge. Remember the religious leaders addressed him as teacher? This is signifying that she knows who this man is with her eyes before the religious leaders even did. You guys got that? That's incredible. That she realizes that Jesus is Lord of Lords at this point in the middle of all of her junk and she doesn't leave him. She says, no one, Lord. She could have addressed him in so many other ways. She could have, she could have called him so many other things, but she says, Lord recognizing that this is the person that could probably change everything 
for her that could probably take away that sin. The sinner recognized who Jesus was when the religious leaders did not. And I believe that when we recognize who God is in our hearts and we make room for him, that the shame will fall off. That as we walk as sons and daughters in our true identity, that all that stuff just has no room to be and that the shame just falls off. I know a lot of believers who say they're walking with the Lord and love the Lord and heck, maybe even involved in ministry, but there's something in their past that's got them so caught up, they can't fully run after it. I mean, I felt like that for a long time. But that's what shame will do. It will keep you from moving forward. It'll be that constant little annoying voice in your ear saying that you're still what that shame said you are. Romans 8, 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because, amen, sister, amen. Because through Christ Jesus is the law of the spirit of life, which has set me free from the law of sin and death. I'm going to say it again. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Jesus is the law of spirit of life, which has set me free from the law of sin and death. See, the accuser holds all these stones ready to condemn you. And the father comes along and he says, put those down. There's no condemnation for those who are in me. Y'all might have friends and family that you're going to sit around the dinner table with this holiday season who don't know the Father. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people who said, well, I can't come to your church, Nicole. The building will burn down. <laughs> I'm like, there are no, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You want to get in Christ Jesus? Let's have a conversation. If you guys want to have me over for dinner, I love to have this conversation with people, especially those who are like the hard-headed ones who just, I don't want to be judged. Don't judge me. I'm like, I get to tell you about my Savior. There's no condemnation for those who are in him. He has set us free. We don't know a lot about this woman. We don't know really her history. We don't know how she grew up. We don't know what her childhood was like. We don't really know what happened afterwards. But I can only imagine, I can only imagine the amount of shame that followed her prior to being thrown at Jesus' feet. And that's exactly what shame tries to do. It follows you and follows you and follows you until you expose it. Amen? It'll follow you and it'll speak to you and it'll lie to you. And if you don't recognize it and if you don't expose it, it'll make its little way in your heart and make a home where it shouldn't be. And it'll make you think that the very thing that you're carrying that is shameful is irreplaceable, that if you take that thing out, then who are you gonna be? Because you've identified with that piece of your life for so long. Does that make sense? I'm not declaring that over y'all. I just, I just wanna expose this as much as I can this morning so that we can move freely. I don't want you to raise your hand at this one either, but have you ever felt like that shame creep up in you? And the first thought is, I'm gonna go and tell my friend about this. Or I'm gonna go and tell my mentor about this or my pastor about this. I am, I'm just gonna clean this stuff out so that I can move forward when all of a sudden you hear, 
Well, don't tell Pastor Jesse about it. He'll look at you differently. <laughs> well, don't tell, don't tell, that's right. Don't tell your friend about it. They'll judge you. Well, don't do this. They may not invite you to be on the ministry team. Who do we think that is? That's not the father's voice. That's the accuser's tactic using shame to keep you right where you are. I have this personal um, value in my own life where if I start to feel something, if you follow me on social media, it gets real. Y'all will see some of this. That's right, authentic, real brother. But I have this value that if I start to feel a lie coming up in me, that I'm gonna expose it as fast as I possibly can. I don't care if it seems embarrassing to me. I don't care what so-and-so thinks about seeing my Instagram feed where my son ate Christmas tissue paper thinking I'm a bad mom. I don't care. I'm gonna expose it because I don't want it to reside in me because I am the body of Christ. I am the temple of the Father and shame does not have a place there. So I encourage y'all, expose it. Shame will tell you that you are what it is. And that's not truth. That's not the Father. That's not who we are. And when we do that, we will, we will try to cover up shame with inadequate means when the Father has already covered us. Actually, he wanted us naked. Y'all remember the story in Genesis? After Adam and Eve went against God, what's the first thing they did? They covered up and they hid. They used fig leaves to cover up and hid because they were embarrassed. They hadn't been embarrassed before. They were free in their nakedness. I mean, can y'all imagine? We'd probably be naked people had they not messed it up for us. Now we have to wear clothes. And... But that shame creeped in and said, hide, hide, cover yourselves up. So they used fig leaves to cover themselves up. But y'all know what? Fig leaves are bound to fall apart. And the very thing you're trying to cover up your shame with will expose you at some point or another. So the next time, let's, let's make a deal. The next time you feel like something is coming up in you, I just, want you to, I just want you to declare out loud, you ain't nothing but a fig leaf. I ain't gonna partner with you. You ain't nothing but a fig leaf. You are not gonna expose me. You are not gonna put me in hiding. Because that's what shame will do to you. But that's not what sons and daughters do. We don't hide. We face it right on with the Father. If you find yourself getting out of community, you know, stopping coming to church or home group or getting around your friends who are believers and encouragers and go after, if you find yourself shying away from that, we gotta ask ourselves why. What is it in us that is preventing us from wanting to be around people, from wanting to be around brothers and sisters in Christ? Because there's typically a little lie in there. You just got to pluck it out. Say, you ain't nothing but a fig leaf. I am not going to have anything to do with you. Yeah. Fig leaves were never designed to cover up our nakedness. The Father covered all of that on the cross. While we were still sinners, he went to the cross. Titus 3, I just loved this, so I, I wanted to share this with y'all. Titus 3 says this, It is not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Christ Jesus, our Savior. It is not by works of righteousness that we are saved. In other words, it is not by anything we can do. He's already done it. 
We just have to realize that, it, that if it's there, we don't partner with it. And remember, the Father has already taken care of it. Now, this does not mean go out and live a loose life. Don't y'all leave here and be like, Pastor Nicole, so I can do whatever I want. I'm not going to partner with that shame. I'm just going to sin and do this and do that and just talk to the Lord later. That is not what I'm saying. Y'all hear me? Don't y'all take me out of context. But what I am saying is if there is something, you repent, you talk to the Father about it, and you move on. It's that easy. Because we've been given the spirit of life, not of sin and death. We are free people. We are free sons and free daughters. I love the opposite of shame by definition. The opposite of shame is approval, honor, and praise. And get this, I got so ecstatic when I was like, oh yes, Lord. Philippians 4.8 says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You are the opposite of shame. Approval, honor, and praise. You are the exact opposite of the definition of shame. Isn't that rad? That like wasn't even anything clever I came up with. Like that's in, that's in the Bible right there. <laughs> We can't walk around dwelling on our past or dwelling on what we did last week or carrying all this stuff into the new week and it's just who I am or I just can't stop messing up or blah, 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 lie, lie, lie. We gotta drop all that, shake it all off, turn on some Taylor Swift, get it all off and go forward, right? Because shame will give us this slave mentality when Jesus has given us a freed one. You will have a slave mentality when you start to partner with that. I mean, can y'all imagine your friend has, has gone to jail and, and they have now been released. The door has been unlocked and they're sitting there and they're just going, I wish I could get out. One day when I get out of here, I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna turn it around. I'm gonna live my life this way. And you're like, the door is open. The cell's been unlocked. You're still sitting in your own prison talking about getting out. You're free. Go. Be a free person. But what we'll do is, is when we sit there in our own little prison, we come up with all these things that prevent us from moving forward because we're allowing shame to speak louder than the Savior. Yeah. Young people are, they've really, teenagers and, and young, young people have a hard time with, with moving forward. I'll, I'll never forget, I... Gosh, probably four or five years ago, Paris and I were young adult pastors, and I remember this girl. Um, yeah, she she was like the one that everybody in church wanted to get. Like, she's going to be a believer by the end of the year, or she's going to turn her life around. And people just end up giving up because they were going after it with the wrong heart. And so I said, I'm going to start just hanging out with her. I'm not going to go and enter, you know, have her come to my Bible study or come listen to me teach. I'm going to invite her over for dinner. I'm going to just hang out with her. I'm just going to do life with her. And every time we got together, this girl would just talk about her past and all this stuff that she had done. And I, most of the time I would just listen. I tend to talk too much. So I was really trying to practice listening. And so I would just listen to her. My heart would just hurt for her as she just dwelt on all this junk that she had done. And it was pretty gnarly, don't get me wrong. I had to like pretend like I wasn't surprised. Like, mm-hmm, 
You killed someone? Oh. I'm kidding. She didn't kill anybody. But I would just like put on my poker face. And then one day I was like, you know what? I'm kind of sick and tired of not saying anything. I'm kind of sick and tired of just sitting back and listening to her talk about these lies because it's not truth. And am I doing anything by just listening to her and not calling it out? So one day she's going on and on about, uh, we just finished dinner. I'll never forget. We're in our, in my living room and She's going on and on. She's crying about her past and how she did this and she never moved forward and she really wants to move forward with the Lord, but the Lord can't possibly forgive her for doing all this. And I said to her, you're right. You're pretty much stuck where you are because somebody's done lied to you and convinced you that that's who you are. And she almost didn't even recognize what I said. She was like, yeah, I know. Wait, what? I said, yeah, somebody's lied to you and convinced you. And so you're believing them more than, than you'd believe what God says about you. So you're probably going to be stuck. Yeah, you're, gonna be, you're stuck for life. And it kind of made her mad a little bit. And I was like, score. But she said, what do you mean? And she got real offended. And I was like, yes, that's what I want. A reaction, a real reaction right there. And I kid you not, probably two weeks later, I sat in on a, a counseling session with her. I wasn't doing the counseling. I was just a fly on the wall. And... I watched this girl expose all this junk, but she exposed it in a different way than she had talked about it before. She exposed it and then she declared what God said about her and not that. She'd exposed another thing and then she declared what, what scripture says about her and how she's free and she doesn't submit to this stuff and she believes truth. And it was just, it was phenomenal. And I kid you not, in 10 minutes, this girl was completely transformed because she changed the way she talked about it instead of dwelling on that. And, and this girl was just 27 years old with, you know, yeah, 27 years old and had been carrying this for so long and it had been preventing her from moving forward with the father. She had been allowing all that stuff to talk to her louder. She just needed someone to be like, okay, you're right. You're, you've been convinced by a lie. You're stuck there. For her to wake up and see, actually, that's not what God says about me. But if set free people sit in their prison and don't realize the door has been open for them, it's already been taken care of, the sentence has been paid, we will sit there and wish we weren't. The cross paid the sentence for all of us that we may not carry any shame, but that we may realize that we walk with the light of the world and that we are a set free people. Somebody give me an amen with that one. Thank you, Father. Verse 12, it's towards the end here. Jesus goes on to address the crowd. I read it in the beginning, but I'm gonna read it again. He says to them, after he tells the woman, go and sin no more, he says to these people, and, and he uses this word light a lot of places in scripture. It's a very significant word, too much to go into now, but look it up, Google it. It says this, says, I am the world's light. No one who follows me stumbles around in darkness. I provide plenty of light to live in. He says it twice. I am the light of the world. No one who follows me will stumble around in darkness. You feel like you're stumbling around in darkness? You're not walking in the light of the world because he provides plenty of light to live in. The truth of the matter is our junk and our shame likes to live in darkness. It likes to hide out there. And we got to turn that light of the world right on that shame and expose the heck out of it. Start declaring that you are not what that thing says that you are. Start meeting with your mentors or your pastors, which quick side note and off topic 
We should all have mentors or someone that's discipling us or whatever word you want to use. I have four. They are all at least 20 years older than me that I serve and that I sit under and that I share things with and that I expose lies and they walk me through it. We all need community like that because shame will try to isolate you keep you out of community, keep you from telling people. And this isn't like some Catholic sermon about like, go and confess your sins to us. We're here Mondays and Fridays, two to five. That's not what I'm saying. But get real with someone in your life. Preferably not someone your own age, but get real with someone. Find someone that can be a spiritual mom or dad to you and help you expose the lies that might try to creep up. We're actually gonna be launching a discipleship um, group soon, so that's going to be rad. Jump on that. Because shame will keep you from community. I want to read one more piece of scripture to you, Romans 5. It says this. You've probably all heard it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, he went to the cross and bore all that shame and all that junk and all that stuff while we were still sinners. Not when we had it figured out, but while we were like that woman at Jesus's feet, feeling pitiful, feeling sick to our stomachs, carrying all of that, that's when he died for us. The gospel is this. Jesus came as a baby and grew and preached and taught and healed and did years of ministry. And then he went to the cross for all of us in this room, for your friends and your family members that don't know Jesus yet. He went to the cross for them. If there is a message, if there's a conversation that you have around your dinner table this holiday season, I just pray that it's this. He went to the cross. He took on the world's shame took on your shame and my shame, your sins and my sins, your guilt, your junk, everything that he didn't want you to identify with as a son or a daughter, he took it on on the cross and he died. And in three days, in three days, he rose again and he defeated death and sin, hell and the grave for all of you. Somebody needs to give Jesus a little bit of praise after that one. He defeated sin and death and the grave for you so that you would not identify with any of that junk. So that you would just call it out like it is. You ain't nothing but a fig leaf and I am not going to partner with you or that lie or the accuser. Because the father came along and said, accuser, drop your stones. I've already covered them. I've covered them with the cross. And I really felt like this morning as I was just getting ready to come here, that the father wanted to remind you that you're not dirty. That the father wanted to remind you that that thing that you've done that you've not yet told anybody, you need to expose it. And immediately when I just said that, somebody had some fear shoot up in them. Like, oh, no, nah, this girl crazy. I ain't exposing it. <laughs> That's more the reason to do it. You find someone safe and you expose the heck out of it because you were never meant to walk or identify as a son or a daughter with that stuff. 
you have been covered by the cross. And so I'm going to have our prayer team come on up. And I'm going to ask you this morning, I mean, I'm going to ask you to step out and be real bold. And if, you, if you're like, you know what, I just want to get this out. I'm just super anxious to get this out because there's truth that just hit my heart and I don't want to partner with this anymore. I want you to come forward and I want you to get prayer. You don't have to go into great detail if you don't want to. But man, I promise you, the more you expose that thing, it will have no power in your life. The more we expose it, it will have no power over us. I promise you, if it doesn't work, come talk to me. (laughs) We'll talk to the Father about it. He'll get it out. But our prayer team, come on up. I just want to close us in prayer, in prayer of receiving. If you would, just hold your hands out just in front of you. You can hold them up. You can put them to the side, wherever you want. Yeah, Father, I just declare right now that any lies, that shame or guilt or sin or anything that is not of you that is having power over any of these people, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would just penetrate their hearts with your truth and your gospel. Yeah, God, I just declare right now that the accuser has no power over anyone in this room, Father God, that the stones have been dropped because you have already taken care of it. And Lord, I just pray and declare right now that every son and every daughter in this room would know who they are in you, in Christ Jesus, and that they would fully be able to walk in that. God, that the joy of the Lord would just be an overflow from them, Father that all that stuff would just pop right out. (laughs) I just have a picture of you guys just water just going right through your little bodies and all that junk just like plopping out to the side, almost like you're being purified, like a water purifier. The joy of the Lord and the Father is just gonna overcome you so much that all that stuff just gets knocked right out because you're being purified right now. Yeah, Lord, I just thank you for each person in this room, Lord. I thank you for their boldness to expose what they are not. God, I thank you for what you've already done for us, Father, on the cross. Oh, we just love you. We just thank you, Lord. I just praise you, Jesus. Yeah, God, just covering over each person. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Come forward, get prayer. Roselle is really anointed and will pray for you also. But honestly, family member to family member, expose the junk, move forward, live fully and freely as sons and daughters. Okay, love you guys. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.